Sometimes all I think about is how everything is so hard. School is hard. Sometimes my teachers aren't kind. Sometimes other kids aren't kind. And when I come home, sometimes it's all I think about. Sometimes I think about how my brother and I fight. And I think about how bad everything is. And it's hard to stop the thoughts. I wish I could find a way to turn my brain off, but I don't know how. Welcome to Dear Anxiety, the show about mental health and how we deal with it. We have a great expert coming up. Uh, my co-host, Rini Jane, will be along shortly. And today, I am very positive about this show. This is the most positive I've ever been about a show because it's all about negative thinking. And as you heard uh, in our open, uh, a child view of negative thinking, negative thoughts, we all have them, but do we know what to do with them? In my case, no. I have no idea what to do with them, and I've, I've been around a long time. We're going to talk about how to relate and how to deal with negative thoughts by facing them as opposed to running away from them, uh, one of my favorite pastimes, running away from my emotions. And right now, uh, I want to welcome my co-host, my friend, a, an expert in the field of applied positive psychology with an actual degree, an actual master's degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. She is the founder of GoZen, which teaches resilience and happiness skills, skills of well-being to kids, schools, parents all over the globe. Rini Jane. Rini, welcome to the Coachella of negative thinking. All right. Who's coming to the Coachella? Is it just us? Is it you and your 12 billion negative thoughts? That's, like... that's the name of my rock group is the, the 12 billion negative thoughts. And I'm going to cry 96 tears. That's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of numbers uh, with this show. But you know, it really is. It's a parade. It's a parade. It's a music festival in your head. Negative thoughts. That's right. They take over. It's like a seriously loud parade. And what do we and what do we drums. do generally? What do we do generally? We're at the concert, we're at the parade, we're at the festival, we are the performer, we are the audience, and yet we ignore ourselves. Oh, so good <laughs> at ignoring ourselves. There's yeah. so many things you can do to ignore yourself. TV, food, TV. Yeah. <laughs> What do and you do? I'll, well, the TV, a lot, you know, a lot of TV sports sometimes. There's so many things. And really. Oh my goodness, you know what I do? I literally will bury myself in my bed and watch old Bollywood movies. The that, ones where every single movie, they're running around a tree singing. Some, <laughs> somebody's white sari is getting wet somehow. Oh, my God. Somebody's white sari is getting wet. That's that's, right. that's a great image. Um, that is a great, and that's a staple of Bollywood movies. <laughs> that's right. And not negative in my mind, very positive. But you say you this is how you deal with the negative thinking. That well, you sometimes I'll call my mom, who's amazing, by the way. She's actually a really good fake therapist. <laughs> yeah. But she will, I think, would, you know, I think as I was growing up, she had to give me a lot of therapy, so... Eventually, she just went to the, why don't you just put a Hindi movie on? Why don't you just put a Bollywood movie on? Well, <laughs> it was the go-to. You know, it's not a bad thing. And there are a lot of great fake therapists here in L.A. Let me just say that. Uh, 
you know, that is one way. That's certainly one way of dealing with it is distracting yourself. Now, I don't know if that works. Does it work is my question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, distraction, you know, takes us away from what we don't want our attention to be on. A lot of times um, we use it when we're kind of in the moment and we don't know what else to do. And so we get up and we distract ourselves. But is it a technique that you should use to really boost your well-being? Probably not. Distracting yourself is not making those negative thoughts go away. Right. It seems more like a distress technique. It's when you're in extreme distress, not particularly for negative, for negative thinking, negative thoughts. We're really taught to avoid negative thoughts or to cover them up. Uh, think positively. Uh, don't be negative. So why do you think we're taught to run away from and not towards our thoughts and feelings? I think we got confused somewhere along the way, you know, in all of our good intentions for our kids. When you ask any audience of parents what they want for their children, they will always come up with one or two words and one of them includes happiness. You know, I want my kids to be happy. And that's out of love. That is purely out of love. We want our children to be happy. But somehow, what that means is that the journey does not include the rest of our humanity, the rest of our human emotions. And so we learn to cover them up. You know, it's our knee-jerk response when we have a child that's crying to say, don't cry, it's going to be okay. What can I do for you? When I was growing up, there was a lot of food involved with that. Do you want a cookie? You know, can we do something? Can we can we feed you something that will somehow make that go away? But there wasn't a lot of kind of facing, you know, there wasn't a lot of reckoning with those emotions. There wasn't a lot of let's navigate through them. And I really think that that's kind of what happens, that we feel like we have to show up happy. You know, we have to show up joyful, grateful, happy, savoring, kind of all of the positive emotions that we can have. And that nobody really wants to hear about the other stuff. They definitely didn't want to hear about it when we were kids. And so we're just not good at dealing with stuff because what that means is if we have to show up happy all the time, well, that requires us to get rid of all of the other human emotions that we have throughout the day. And we become really good at it really quickly. Everybody finds their skill that allows the rest of the stuff to go away. Quashing, squashing, ignoring, running, distracting, Bollywood, you know, what, what it, whatever it may be. Yeah, some of my favorite techniques uh, you just mentioned. Uh, some of, I, I'm an expert. If I could just charge to teach those things, boy, would I be would I be rich today? Um, yeah, because we practice them. You know, while you're doing that, while you're being taught to show up happy uh, when you're not feeling the, or thinking those things necessarily, you know, what happens is you become very practiced at not feeling well and not feeling like it's okay to be yourself. That's a difficult thing to overcome sometimes. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I was thinking about what you said about how we got here and why why we don't deal with our emotions. And there was also this entire self-esteem movement, you know, which led to the everyone gets a trophy movement. And there was, you know, a huge positive thinking movement. And there's, you know, let's say our affirmations and everybody think positively. So I think that one of the reasons that negative thinking persists is really the biggest reason is resistance. We resist the as is of our situation. We resist what is going on with us in the present moment. And in that resistance, 
everything persists. It gets bigger, darker. Yeah, and resistance is, a, and it, and it's a, a very, you know, you can feel it in your body. I mean, oftentimes I feel it in the pit of my stomach. It's a fight or flight kind of feeling. And there's thoughts that go into that feeling. There's a lot of negative thoughts that go unchecked, that loop around, and they just go and go and go. And um, and I actually did like this. Like what th- kind of thoughts? Tell us about something that you think uh, about that loops I'll around. Never, I'll never make it. I'm never going to have enough money. The term is always and never. So it's a globalization. It's th- This is always going to be the way it is, or this yes. is never going to happen. Permanence. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be happy. This is always the way it's going to be. Uh, I'm always going to have these struggles. There's something wrong with me. There always has been. Uh, I'm not enough. I'm never enough. These kinds of thoughts. Those are are, coming to you very easily, Ed. Isn't that amazing how easily they come? But yeah, no, it just happens to be, I'm not going to lie, it happens to be a very challenging time in my life, but also... Uh, a very a time of incredible possibilities, because what I'm learning how to do is to shift my perspective on 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 this negative thinking and on and and basically on how I relate to myself. Uh, and so I know who I really am, and I think everybody has that in them. And I know that this is just stuff that I've learned. It's a habit. But you can change it if you do specific things. I mean, definitely there can be change. But I want to ask you one more thing. So when you have all of those thoughts, do you feel bad about having them? Or how do you, how yes. do you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I generally feel, feel badly about having them. And then I try to watch Bollywood movies. I No, I mean, in my, my own Don't version of that. Don't take my thing. <laughs> no, my own version of that. There's always a white sorry that's getting wet somewhere in my mind. Uh, no, but I, but so anyway, what I'm, what I'm saying is there's not a lot of, I don't practice, but I am recently practicing more of, I acknowledge that these are thoughts that I'm having right now. Um, and I see that I'm having you and I'm, I hear it, I hear it, I see it. And that immediately diffuses, it, it immediately takes a little bit of the, the tension out. So negative thoughts are really quite natural. You know, they absolutely are. And I, you may have heard this before, but you know, that kind of pain is inevitable. But then the thought that you're having on top of the negative thoughts is that I shouldn't be having these thoughts. Often we have that kind of, you know, the second arrow, it's called from a Buddhist perspective. So where the pain is inevitable, but the suffering is optional. So I would say, it's interesting because first there's a resistance, but then the thoughts persist anyway. And then we have the thoughts and then we have thoughts on top of the thoughts, which are negative. And so this keeps us in this vicious cycle, the thoughts repeating in our mind like a broken record over and over and over again. But as you said, there are things that we can do. There are practices that we can try, that we can implement into our lives like habits. And some of them can be quite simple. Yeah, this is this is amazing because uh, I actually did this. Now, in in Gozen, in in if you if you're familiar with Gozen, or even if you're not familiar, there is a series of videos, and this is Rini's company. This is the company that uh, teaches resilience skills, but does it in a unique way through animation and through combining science and and humor and play in a very unique way. So it, it's really great and. 
we did this series and I went back again and I looked at it and I started to go through the exercises. And you know what? It really changed my experience in the moment. And it's going to sound like a commercial. It's not a commercial. I went back because there's I'll a lot. I'll slip you a 20 after the show, Ed. No, I, I mean, I really, I, you know, I, I really, um, I practiced a few of the basic things. And of course, it changed my experience because I was denying my negative thoughts. I was making myself into a bad person for having negative thoughts. And I was experiencing a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And I couldn't even see what was around me. Like my whole field, my whole perspective became a, this, this, these thoughts started to build and they kept building. And all I needed to do was really say, I'm having these thoughts and I, I acknowledge them. That was the first thing. And then we're going to talk about some other skills, some other specific things that you can do. Because if you think that you are your thoughts, that that's who you are, this negative uh, person, and that nothing's going to work out for you, it's very difficult to live a happy life. Yeah. I mean, how could we possibly be our thoughts? We have so many of them. And many of our thoughts are strange. And this isn't just for a population. Let's say I work with a lot of kids that have OCD, right? And they have intrusive thoughts, but it's not just kids with OCD. In fact, they did a study that showed 94% of us have intrusive thoughts, have negative thoughts. So it is very, very typical. And the science is very interesting in that negative thoughts weigh heavily, weigh more heavily psychologically on us than positive ones. There's some research done by Barb Fredrickson. You know, the ratio is a little bit controversial. She uses a three to one ratio. Then that particular ratio has been disputed. But basically, at the end of the day, what the science shows is that bad thoughts way heavier on us than good thoughts, right? Bad is stronger than good was actually a research paper uh, by uh, Roy Baumeister that came out quite a while ago, where it showed that, listen, when back in the day, when we were cave people, we needed to be aware of the danger around us, right? We have a negativity bias, essentially, that was used as a protection mechanism so that we could be aware of the danger so that we could use our fight, flight or freeze response to survive. And that has stayed with us. So the things that happen to us that are bad weigh heavier on us than the things that happen to us that are good. It's why when you go into like a work review and, you know, your boss says 10 good things and then they say that one little thing, it's all you can focus on. So we have a negativity bias. It is perfectly natural. We all have these intrusive thoughts and it's really about what we do with them. It's also true with feelings. You know, it's, it's true with emotions that want to, you know, energy and motion, want the emotions want to be expressed. They want to be let go of. You hold on to them and, and you experience a lot of resistance, which equals a lot of different kinds of things. So it's the same, the same process. Interestingly enough, there, there is a, there's a neuroscientist named Mark Waldman. He's at LMU and he does a lot of conversation about vision board, how to think about, how to think differently. Uh, and also what to do with negative thinking. And one of the things he says is when he makes a vision board of things that he wants, beside it, he also makes a crap board because he allows for the negative thoughts for all the other stuff to come up too, because you're accepting, you're accepting both sides. He and makes a crap board? Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, because 
you know, you're accepting all of the things that go on in you. Not that one thing is good and the other thing is bad. Um, there's an acceptance. And so that just changes the flow of everything. Anyway, neuroscientist, crap board. <laughs> all of that schooling, all of that research, right? And this is what what the end product is. I love that. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that is. That is it. Now, you know, and, and actually there was some magnetic uh, imaging that they did, which actually shows the brain and the effect of negative thoughts on the brain. And there's a different kind of look that the brain takes on uh, as opposed to, you know, the more of the more of the positive possibility kind of thinking. So it, it has a, a manifestation in your brain. I think some of my favorite research on negative thoughts is by thought suppression experts. And basically what they tell you in a nutshell is you can't suppress it, right? So many of you listening may have heard of the white bear experiment. I think it was Daniel Wegner, um, or it's probably Wegner, uh, did this experiment where he asked people to speak out their stream of consciousness. And he said to an experimental group, and I want you to not think of a white bear while you do this. And every time you think of a white bear, as you're, you know, as you're speaking out your stream of consciousness, ring this bell. And what the research shows is the more you try to not think of something, the more you think of it. So I think the first lesson for all of us is allow. Allowing a negative thought doesn't mean you agree with it. It just means that you're not running away from it and you're not trying to suppress it or ignore it or Bollywood movie it. Maybe we can do some role play. We always do role play on the show. Let's get ready, people. Quiet on the set. Let's go. Okay, in cool. This, How should we do this? Well, I think in this case, you know, uh, when we do role play, usually, you know, we'll, we'll take, we'll be different characters. We'll take different, you know, a scenario. Uh, in this case, I can just have the negative thought parade that goes on in my head. And if you could be my coach and sort of stop me you know, give me a skill that I can use, that'll be great. Okay, great. Let's do it. Rolling! You know, I, this is just my negative thoughts. These are just the parade. You know, I'm never, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to, it's always been this way. I've always felt badly inside. In, in, and it's just like, it's never going to work out. Never going to have enough money. Don't know how to do it. Don't know how to get it. Um, a lot, of, a lot of pressure. I just want to escape from it. Um, so, Ed, and I want you to do something for me. I want you to pick one of those that you feel like really is big and huge and loud in your mind. Uh, never going to have enough money. Okay. You're never going to have enough money. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to say, I'm having the thought that I'm never going to have enough money. I'm having the thought that I'm never going to have enough money. Okay. I'm having the thought that I'm never going to have enough money. One more time. Take a deep I'm breath having... and say it. I'm having the thought that I'm never going to have enough money. Okay. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to sing it. I want you to sing it like cabaret style, like Broadway show style. Okay. Uh, can I do it to the tune of uh, Hamilton to a Hamilton? Please. No, I can't because we can't, <laughs> I don't know, we can't clear it. Okay. Okay, I will then. Um, 
I'm having the thought that I'll never have enough money. I'm having the thought that I'll never have enough money. I'm having the thought that I'll never have enough money. I'll never have enough money. That's pretty catchy. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, I wrote it last week. Okay, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. One more thing I would like you to do is I want you to tell me, you know, you're having the thought that you'll never have enough money. What is the worst part about that for you? What is the worst part? The worst part is I am imagining things in the future that will happen that are that are bad things, difficult things. I'm okay. painting a picture based on my my fear. Okay, give me a specific. Uh, going to lose my house. Okay. What is the worst part about losing your house for you? Uh, I have a family and we'll have nowhere to live. Okay. And what is the worst part about what you just said about not having anywhere to live and you have a family? Um, the worst part is my, my daughter. Mm -hmm. That, you know, can't provide a, a good place for her. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean to you when you think about that? It means that I'm a failure and it means that I, there's something wrong with me. I'm not a good person. Mm. Okay. Okay. So in this role play, it's kind of a non-traditional role play, right? What we did is we did three different things. So the first thing that we did is a technique called cognitive diffusion. So we're separating the thought from your identity. So the thought that I'm never going to have enough money, we're separating that from Ed because you and your child, right, or whomever is having this thought, whoever is having this thought is not fused with the thought. Their identity is not fused with the thought, right? We have lots of different thoughts. So your child has strengths, right? Your child has an essence. Your child is light and abundant and energetic and these amazing things, as are you, Ed. So you are not your thought. So just saying I'm having the thought that really creates this separation allows you to be more of an observer of your experience, right? So it's also this great mindfulness technique, as opposed to fusing the thoughts with your identity. It's the reason that we do it. When you observe your experience, not judgmentally, so you're not judging it, and right now, not necessarily trying to change it, right? You're just being mindful of the experience that you're having, but the separation is very important. So that was the first technique. The second technique where you were singing it, you know, sometimes these thoughts, not sometimes, but many, many times have a lot of power over us. So we're kind of taking the power back using humor, making it silly. I mean, it's obviously a very big thing you're talking about, like finances for most of the world are a big deal. And right. being worried about losing your home is a very big deal. But we're taking some of the power of this thought away 
by using some humor, adding some lightness, right, and being able to just get some perspective on it. For kids who are having anxious thoughts especially, this is a very powerful technique. A lot of times the thoughts that kids have when it comes to being worried, they're really inaccurate. They're exaggerated. They're just, they're not based in reality. They're exaggerated and and inaccurate. So it can bring you back actually to a place of more accuracy, just give you some perspective and just kind of strip it of its power. And then the third thing I did was I asked you, you know, what's the worst part about that? What's the worst part about that? What's the worst part about that? Those were my follow-up questions. And then I said, what does that mean to you? Which got us to, of course, your fears are real. So I'm not, not validating what you're saying, but it got us to the crux of kind of the underlying feelings of what you're dealing with, which is, well, what that means to me is that I'm failing. I'm a failure. So I'm not taking away from the other obviously practical concrete issues you were talking about if you do if you were if you were losing your home but what happens when you have a negative thought is something in the Gozen programs that we call storifying Ed was saying to me earlier before we started recording what did you say to me you have a like a 12 yeah, story I, I, I have a 12 storify building <laughs> uh, that I walk around with because I'm a comedian I'm a storyteller and I'm a good storyteller but when you combine good storytelling with negative thinking that's what you have. You have storifying. You make a story about the negative thought. This equals this equals that. Then that'll happen. Then this will happen. Then I'll lose my home. Then I'm no good. Then I'm a failure. And then I'm dead. I'm you, not you able to that. study for this test. So I'm not going to get a good grade. I'm not going to get into a good college. I'm not going to get a good job. It always ends up somehow all of these stories end up in homelessness, drugs, or prison. <laughs> like, three outcomes yeah. every time, essentially. And, that, and that's our musical, Homelessness, Drugs, and Prison is the new musical. It's as big as Hamilton, and it's going to be amazing. It's, yeah. I can see it now. But there yeah. are... See, there are a ton of techniques that you can use essentially to strip these thoughts of their power. It doesn't mean that you're not going through something difficult. So I'm not trying to say that every thought you have is inaccurate. That's not true. But what you're trying to do is put yourself back in a position of power and not allow this to be debilitating to the fact to the point where you can't work on it. You need to get into a position where you're able to put on your problem-solving hat, as my dad used to say. <laughs> put your problems. He always had a hat for everything. These invisible hats, like one <laughs> hats for everything. Are good. Yes, hats are hats good. Are good. Put your problem-solving hat on. You cannot put your problem-solving hat on if you are plagued by the thought over and over again. It's debilitating to the point where you just you know you can't get out of bed, literally. And so there are lots of different techniques we can use, but I think everyone should be cognizant of not resisting right? There's no point in resisting. It's not, the more you resist, the more it persists, right? The research shows it and you don't need the research. Just do the experiment yourself. Try to run away from your thoughts and you'll see. And then one thing you talked about earlier, Ed, permanence. Oh my goodness. Such a big thing. Marty Seligman out of the University of Pennsylvania talks about three characteristics when you have thoughts. And one is personalizing, right? The three P's he calls it. So personalization, making everything your fault, you're to blame. Permanence. So what you were talking about earlier, right, Ed? Thinking everything's always. forever, always, mm-hmm. never. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, every everything, right, permanence. Well, everything is actually the next P, pervasiveness. So this is, you know, you have a problem at work and all of a sudden that becomes your whole life is terrible. So pervasiveness and so making everything global. So if you are able to make things more specific as opposed to pervasive, right, temporary as opposed to permanent, and then not personalize, 
this would really help you cultivate realistic optimism. I think those three P's are so important. You know, dealing with them, acknowledging and and having tools, something that you can do that's simple to break things down is it it's life changing. I mean, it, it'll change your relationships. It'll change the way you problem solve. It'll change the way you live. It'll change how you feel in the morning. Uh, there's an opportunity to, to, to change this. And also, how about just feeling good in the moment? How about feeling better? Is that a good uh, byproduct of this? Let's just feel better. <laughs> I think that should be the new name of our show. Let's just feel Let's better. Just feel, let's just feel Come better. Come on, man. I'm going to have that. Just feel Let's better. Let's just feel better. And then comes to your musical homelessness uh, and uh, drugs and, and alcohol. I swear, um, I was in therapy in my 20s after I went through like, a terrible, terrible breakup. And I was lying there was like a year into therapy. And she literally said to me, you know, you need to just lighten up. And I'm like, seriously, is this what I'm paying for? Yeah. <laughs> she reminded me of, let's just feel better. You need to just yeah, lighten up. <laughs> because the, you the, think you know, too much. The, the, the byproduct of these things, though, is that while you're doing these skills, you're going to feel better. So you know even the if it comes work, from me, it would be good. Yeah, I feel better knowing that I have some control to influence this because I think the worst feeling and the most helpless feeling and, you know, again, touching back on learned helplessness is the feeling that you do not have the ability to influence the circumstances in your life. I think that is where you lose hope and hope comes from the ability to influence your circumstances. And so you may not be able to turn off that record in your head, but there are things that you can do to turn the volume down. Exactly. That is, the, yeah, you, you can do that. I remember I had a, I had a, a technique that, was, uh, that I learned, which was actually welcoming the thought and then feeling the sensation in my body. And I remember trying that. I was walking down the street and I had these, these things that were really bothering me. And I said, could I just welcome it? And not only that, but could I be more afraid? Could I feel more afraid? Could I actually invite it to do more? And then, of course, as soon as I did that, everything, you know, everything went away in that moment. So I connected it with, wow, I, I can actually do something that can affect how I feel in the moment. And that is life changing. Oh my goodness. Thank you for bringing up the body because everything we've talked about so far has been completely neck up. Like this is so important that what goes on in your mind obviously has a relationship to what goes on in your body and vice versa. And oftentimes you feel it in your body first and you kind of <laughs> ignore that as well, right? Because we're so good at ignoring. But thank you for bringing that up. I think that's so important. You know, where is it in your body? It needs to be acknowledged in your body, the tightness that you feel in your chest, you know, the most obvious example is when you have butterflies in your stomach and you're anxious, you're having anxious thoughts, right? So everyone can relate to that. But it happens with lots of different thoughts and lots of different types of emotions. So I think locating it or co-locating where what's going on in your body and being able to welcome that as well. That's huge, Ed. Thank you. Yeah. And they talk about, you know, giving it more space instead of resisting instead of pushing down and suppressing and trying to run away. It actually has a physical manifestation, you know, in your body. I usually feel it in the pit of my stomach. You'll start to notice where you feel things if you start to notice where you feel things. It's like the noticing begets more noticing. 
So you just have to make yourself aware of what is going on in your body. Basic mindfulness techniques, even basic breathing, you know, paying attention to your breath for a minute or so every day can start to help you tune in to those sensations inside of you. What's the shorthand of how you can do this in the flow of your day? Because what you're talking about, it does require some space and a little bit of time. What would you do as a shorthand to say, okay, I'm in an office now and I'm at a meeting? I would say as a shorthand, you can just observe your thought and say, thanks, brain. Thanks. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that is the shortest hand mindfulness technique I can give you. It, yep. Got it. Mentally, of course. You probably shouldn't be saying that out loud in a meeting because <laughs> people are going to look right. at you. And right. then you can tell them I heard it on this podcast and you can blame us. But um, yeah, you can mentally do that. Or if you want to, you can make, you know, you can even use a physical. So if you're taking notes, you can make like a little check mark. Yep. Check, check. Got it, brain. Got it. Because what you're doing, again, the key is not to resist and to acknowledge, but you can acknowledge and discard at the same time. Yep. Don't need that thought. Thank you. Another thing is, of course, gratitude. How does gratitude uh, fit into this? Gratitude is another well-being muscle that you can cultivate. You know, it is really being able to focus on what is going well and being able to savor that. So Rick Hansen, the neuroscientist, says that it takes between 5 and 20 seconds for our brain to really absorb a positive event. And the interesting thing is after something good has happened, you can relive that moment and experience the benefits of that event by savoring it, by thinking about it, by having gratitude for it. So it's kind of like you could have something good happen and then you could have the benefits of that good thing over and over again if you practice gratitude. So you are, again, giving attention to something that you want to give attention to in a more intentional way. And that turns the noise down on the other stuff. Should we do a little bit of a recap? Because we talked about a bunch of different things today. We should. We should. We should. We should. And just so you know, our recaps are not really like full recaps. They're not exhaustive. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, what did we talk about? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're caps. They're caps. Is what they're they not are. like, yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about uh, we talked about a few techniques that you can use with negative thoughts, and the first one is that you're not your thoughts. So your cognitive diffusion, you, I believe you called it, and it's it's realizing that you're not your thoughts, and that you can disconnect from that. So how do you do that? You say to yourself, "I'm having the thought that," as opposed to, "I'm this way or that way." I am this. I'm having the thought that I, you know. Uh, don't have enough money or whatever it is that you're that you're thinking. So that's one. We talked about adding humor by singing your thought and kind of stripping it of its power. Talked about story uh, storifying, which is another thing you can catch yourself, you know, building building these stories that come out of the negative thoughts and you can you can catch yourself by just acknowledging, okay, that's that's quite a story that I just built there. Thank you. We talked about asking yourself, what's the worst thing about this, you know, and then finally coming to the question, well, what does that mean for you? And then we also talked about in the beginning that you don't want to, and all throughout really, that the goal is to embrace what you're going through, to acknowledge what you're going through, acknowledge it and not to resist it. 
Right. Acknowledge it and not to resist it. I And you mentioned that a uh, shorthand for, because people are thinking, you know, well, how am I going to do that, you know, when I have, uh, you know, when I work all day and then I'm home with my kids at night or however you, your life is. And you acknowledge the thought. You can say in your head, uh, okay, thank you, brain. Thank you. I see you. I see that thought. Thank you, brain. Now, Rini, okay, so I'm a parent. So if I'm a parent, how do I teach these things? Oh, my goodness. Kids love to learn these things. They are, I have said probably many times, that kids are natural mindfulness masters. They come into the world mindful. And so when you're teaching these things, there's, look, the singing thing, for example, they take to that very quickly. They think it's funny. They can make a funny voice when they're doing it. So you can easily teach that. That's just like a direct translation to kids. The other ideas I'm having, the thought that, that's a simple one. That's something that you can also teach to kids. You know, some of the other techniques, you'll have to create translations for them or you can visit us at gozen.com because that's what we do. We take all of these interventions that we talk about and we make them kid friendly so that you don't have to do the translation work. You just hit play and watch a video. You know, I, I also think that with with kids, you know, you can you have their favorite songs because you can combine karaoke with this. Rini always talks about karaoke, your thoughts. Um, so you can, you know, whatever their favorite song is, if it's a, you know, if it's a teenager or always use Bohemian Rhapsody as a model for everything. Yes. Everything uh, in life. Are, I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, where can they find Dear Anxiety? Because Dear Anxiety is now is now uh, is live and and uh, a lot. That's right. So I don't know where you are listening to this right now, but please subscribe on iTunes. So if you go to bit, B-I-T dot Lee, L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety, that is going to take you to directly to iTunes to subscribe. You can also listen at gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety. And please visit us at gozen.com and get your free stuff. We give so much free stuff away. Every single week we give away animations and flashcards and little things, workbooks sometimes. Um, We're always doing something new and we would love to hear from you. So lots of different things. Again, subscribe on iTunes, bit.ly forward slash Dear Anxiety. And then you can also join us at gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety and definitely come to gozen.com and opt in. Absolutely. And if you're a listener and you want to share anything that you're going through or your family's going through or your or your or your child or teen wants to make, uh, you know, make a, a little recording that record something on their phone that they can send in. Is there a place that they can send those things? Gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety. You will see a little thing that says, please submit or submissions uh, from your child. And that's a great. Uh, it's great that you brought that up because now is the time when we, we always start every show with, as you heard, uh, uh, a, a child uh, sharing their experience and the issue that's that we're talking about on the show, and uh, we're about to hear another recording of a of a child uh, giving some advice. Thanks everybody for listening and join us on our new show which is called America's Gut Anxiety, which is a talent show where people actually come out and He's share. Kidding, if you haven't figured it I out. Mean, I, am, <laughs> I am kidding. Have a great week. Negative thoughts just aren't really accurate, and you just need to stop thinking about them because some of it is just not accurate. And sometimes the language 
when you're that negative isn't accurate either. Like, I'll always be bad at this. That's not true. So just try to check yourself. The first step is kind of just to just calm yourself down and then check yourself. And you have to like turn on your logical brain and try to see the facts through it and see like, is this actually accurate? Holy cow, I'm way off. Let's try to not have a fit about that again. Every day, I always end up talking to my own conscience and I'm like, why do I do this? And it just really helps me see things through.